Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What's up, everyone? My name is Mo, and you're tuned in to Nickish, where we talk all about the New York Knicks and whatever's going on in the NBA. It's been a really long time since we've released a new episode, as we're officially at the start of a new era. Now, before I get too into it, I do want to give a quick shout-out to my former co-host and close friend of mine, Nafi, who I originally started Nickish with, who's moved on to bigger and better things. I wish him the best of luck. But with me right now are two guys who have officially joined me for Nickish, who I'm very excited to introduce to you all, Osama and Teddy. Welcome to the show, guys. How you guys doing? What's up, guys? Uh, how's everyone doing? I'm really happy to be on here. My name's Osama. Uh, thanks, Mo, for having us, and hopefully we can have a great season. Hey, it's Teddy. Uh, I'm super excited to be here as well. Again, thank you to Mo for you know reaching out to us and adding us to this great team. And uh, yeah, hoping for a good Knicks season, but uh, off to a bad start. <laughs> yeah, you sound so excited already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so people who've been following us, they know the last four to six weeks, we actually had these interviews with uh, some Knicks legends. But before we get too into that, let's hear a little bit about you guys. Uh, Sama, let's, what's, your, what's your Knicks fanhood like? When did it start? Okay, okay. I mean, so I haven't been watching basketball all my life. I only started maybe early high school, so I would say around 2010, basically when Melo joined the team. I wasn't a huge Melo fan, but because, you know, there was a huge vibe around that, I started watching the team since then, and it's been depression since. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teddy, are you, are you the same? You started a little after, before? What's what's your Nick fanhood like? Yeah, so I, I started around 2007 um, when my family finally got cable, and <laughs> I don't know what... I don't know what got into me, but I just watched every single episode of that season. Like, I watched freaking Nate Robinson and David Lee just stinking it up. And Jared Jeffries as the starting center for like 48, <laughs> for like 48 minutes. So, I don't know. That's, that's sort of when I started, you know, torturing myself with the Knicks seasons. And there was a couple of seasons where I was really just not motivated to be a part of this franchise. But, you know, now, I don't know. I, I just feel like... Once you're a Nick fan, it's really hard to stop being a Nick fan. So I'm excited for this season. We've got a lot of young players and looking forward to their development. Yeah, we are addicted to um, just going for the little guy. And just once you started being a Knicks fan, you get that glimmer of hope and then you try to you get sucked into it. Now, you guys did have a show beforehand. So what was what was that like? It was it was a few years ago, actually. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, we used to host our own podcast, have our own website um, it was a fu- it was a fun experience. We learned a lot from that. It was during college. We just loved talking about the Knicks, man, day and night. Um, it's kind of what we did on the regular anyway. So we thought, why not just go ahead and, you know, actually create some podcast episodes around that. So it was a fun experience. And we thought with this year coming up with a lot of young guys with a promising team, why not go back at it again? Yeah, just like um, Osama saying, uh, it's really something that we loved and enjoyed doing and we're we're really excited to actually have this platform now to get back into it and you know share our thoughts with all of you guys yeah so what was it were the things going on while you guys were doing your podcast what what era are we talking <laughs> oh god we're talking, we're <laughs> talking, talking joe uh, 
It was we're talking, we're talking prime Noah. Joakim. We're talking prime Derrick Rose. <laughs> we're talking Tim Hardaway. We're talking stint number Jackson. one, stint number two. Which which Tim Hardaway? Oh, that's stint number. <laughs> stint. What is this? Wait, wait, num- wait, hold up. Stint number one, right? Stint number one. Two years ago, that was stint number. Yeah, that was stint I, number one. No, actually, I, that might have been stint number two. Actually, honestly, I don't what? know. No, what that was, they no, that was, that was stint number. Again. Guys, we've I had Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> seventeen times. <laughs> I think it's fair that nobody understands which time we had him anymore because it all just feels like a big, huge wave that just crashed over us, and now we don't have to worry about that because we have a man in town by the name of R.J. Barrett who makes a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. feel like a distant memory at this point. R.J. Barrett, the god right now. He is he's on god mode, and he's all right. It's, that's a little hyping him up, but. He's he's playing amazing, and we're gonna we're gonna get into him in a little bit. Um, I did want to talk about the four legends that we got though. We had we had mm-hmm. uh, Allen Houston, we had Bernard King, we had John Starks, and we had the OG Her. <laughs> I don't know why I, you guys are laughing. I, I couldn't even my finish. favorite interview. The OG Herb Williams. Uh, which yeah, ones I, mean, was... I I genuinely enjoyed every single one. They're all real chill guys. Uh, there are a lot of gems in it. So for the listeners, if you guys didn't get a chance to hear these episodes, they're all amazing interviews that we have with these guys. So uh, my personal favorite was probably Bernard King. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I would say you know my mine was probably Bernard King as well. It was unfortunate that we couldn't get him on video, but you know. I think the audio recording itself is gold as it is. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, make sure to check out the YouTube page. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter. We have a lot of teaser videos and the full interview as well on YouTube. So if you haven't seen any of the four legend interviews, please make sure to go there. Subscribe while you're at it. Like everything, you know, do all that stuff. But my favorite was also Bernard King, not just because he's obviously one of, if not the best Nick of all time, but also because who can say, who, who out there can say that they taught Bernard King how to play rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, no one. No one. But this guy can, because I taught this man <laughs> rock, paper, scissors in this day and age. I really want anyone out there to let us know on Twitter or wherever. Man knew. Do you know anyone who does not know how to play rock, paper, scissors? Because once we were in that interview and realized that he had no clue what the hell we were talking about with that game... I went around asking everybody at work, and I found this one other man who does not know how to play rock, paper, scissors. And That's since then, insane. I've just been uh, I've been mind blown. I thought this was like an age-old game. Man didn't to know rock, fair, paper, no. scissors, but he knew what a hot girl summer was, apparently. <laughs> 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 to be fair, John Starks wasn't too keen on the rules for the game I'm either. because He just threw out a finger <laughs> instead of <laughs> rock or paper, scissors. Just, I don't know where that came in. He's playing by some new rules. But yeah, yeah I would have to say my favorite was also Bernard King. I mean, he's just such a character. And you could tell he's just such a student and like teacher of the game. Like he's he's been through so much that things that we can't even comprehend. He sees all these, um, you know, the way that he described the way he scored on the floor is just such a good listen. And uh, yeah, I have to go with the king too. I mean, just the way he analyzed everything about his game, from the positions on the court that he would purposely pick out to get every single shot, to his preparation beforehand for each game, it was just insane to actually sit across from him. And listen to him break down every single... And he knows so much, like, data about all the games he's played all the way back then. Like, I was actually surprised that we had done our research, you know, made sure that we were prepared for that interview. And yet he somehow still knew every statistic about himself during that game. So I think that just goes to show 
some players just really are dialed in whether they're playing on the court or outside of the court. That's just their personality, and that's why he's one of the best to ever wear the Knicks jersey. He he's a true student of the game. That's that's really what it is, and uh, he has a great book. I think he has two books actually. I own one. Luckily, I got that sign. Um, <laughs> and he was great. Allen Houston was great too because he was our first guy, and I think he he picked up a little bit that we were feeling a little nervous. At least at least I was, and uh, mm-hmm. he kind of took it over in the beginning and just talked his talk and it was it was crazy getting assistant gm on on the show i i couldn't have ever imagined getting that chance yeah alan's in shape man like i don't know i can't remember how old he is right now but that dude looks better than he's ever probably looked and i hope at that age i still look that good and i'm giving interviews and stuff because i don't even care about his playing career anymore I was just sitting there the whole time mesmerized, but you know what? Maybe that's something we should talk about outside of the podcast. <laughs> <You> mesmerized, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's 48 years old. Dude looks 35. Yeah, that's He is insane. not 48, man. I he's could be wrong. Be like, maybe early 40s. He's he no looks way. way too young. He, he, did, he did retire he a while ago. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, outside of those two, the other two interviews were still amazing. Herb, you could really tell that he had a lot of passion for the WNBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows a lot about what's going on in the game. He knows a lot about coaching, and it seems like that's really what his passion is, and it, it really showed in the interview. And at the same time, John Starks is just amazing. He's just a funny guy. Just sitting across from him, even if you felt nervous, he just made you feel at ease. Obviously, we were at his celebrity golf tournament that he holds every year, so I think he was just in his element at that point, and, and that's why the interview just came off so personable and He's just an awesome guy, man. I'd love to hang out with him. Yeah, and he's the reason why we even got the chance in the first place. We needed his permission to actually come out there and be able to interview him and three other guys. So without him, mm-hmm. this that whole thing would not have happened. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I don't regret it for one single moment. I'm so glad we were able to go out there and, and, and get all these interviews with these guys. Yeah, that was definitely a, a dream come true for, I think, all three of us. Like, the fact that we're just, you know, hanging out with john starks casually at a dinner table like <laughs> i don't i don't think any of us could have ever in our wildest dreams like imagined that that's that was an amazing experience and I, I definitely want to thank you know john starks and his foundation for letting us come out and get the chance to interview them yeah yeah seriously and it wasn't just those four guys either i mean there were a lot of celebrities there at the golf tournament uh, most of them athletes from different sports um we got to see guys like mike woodson um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I really, I really wish we were able to get an interview with Mike Woodson, but um, sadly he, he ducked out during dinner. But um, it was a great experience. I, I absolutely cherished every moment of it. I kind of wish I reached out to Oakley. He was there too, and that that would have been pretty interesting to know what he what he would have said. Um, but I don't think we would have gotten permission to actually interview him. Yeah, yeah. probably not. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a sore spot right now with the organization, so I, I totally get it. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe next time. Maybe maybe him and uh, big uh, Jimmy D um, fix up their, their problems together. Who knows? Little Jimmy D. <laughs> yeah, big <laughs> Jimmy D is too much credit right there. <laughs> I was about to say, um, Oakley was selling his uh, his cooking package, and I think we were tempted to buy that. Um, for <laughs> it was actually cheap. What, what, yeah. what was it? It was you. he cooks for X number of people. 20 people. 20 people. 20 people. And... <laughs> I think I, don't think I, I know twenty people. <laughs> I think the winner got it at like four thousand. I don't know if it was four thousand, but it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's it started bargain. off. It started off really slow too. Like it was around like three hundred for a while. No one was bidding on it, and then suddenly, 
you know, after after some promotion, he finally got it up to four thousand. But we were considering it, you know, throwing a little party for our Knicks, uh, Knickish fans out here. That would have been yeah, that would have been really fun. But yeah. Let, yeah, let's not let's not tease everybody out there. Right? <laughs> we have, they, they have a lot of stuff coming their way too, so they sh- there's a lot of other reasons to be excited. Yeah, that was all. You know, that that whole thing was really clutch. We we ended up getting hats. Uh, I think a day or two before we got to get there, and uh, you had your equipment, Osama. You want you're trying to be like a filmmaker, so you have a lot of you know great equipment that we were we were able to thankfully use. And the setting that was clutch. Everybody was asking, yeah. was that was that your house? I'm like, no, dude, that was that was a country club. <laughs> we they just gave us a space. We they were moving furniture like 20 minutes after that. We had to make sure that they didn't take our stuff. And we we just happened to get a couple of chairs and a nice table and some and some nice setting and some nice lighting too. So that shit was lucky. Yeah, I mean it, it was luck, but at the same time, I don't want to discount our work because we did, you know, prepare a lot for it. We did yes. make sure we had all the equipment ready there. We just we, we we played our cards right, and fortunately for us, it all worked out pretty well. So uh, we got. I think I think from the get-go what i think a lot of these um a lot of these guys expected coming in was to you know see a few kids with their iPhones um ready to record them on the spot and just ask them a few questions about whatever but once they came in and saw that we had a full set set up in this elegant room i think they started taking the interviews very seriously and really cared a lot about what they said in front of camera and you know they're just i know on camera they seem so personable and amazing but i can't um i can't stress enough to everybody who's listening that they are really just the exact same way off camera as well they're super nice guys and i think that the fact that they gave us time of day was amazing already but the fact that they took the interview so seriously was even better i think we got a lot of great gems in there um uh, a lot of great things from bernard king obviously alan houston had a few john starks told us about this a superpower that he would love to have if he was in the avengers which i think is a little <laughs> bit suspicious but that's just me but i'll, I'll leave it i'll leave it out to the I'll leave it out to the listeners to actually go watch the video and, and let us know what they think about that. I don't want to spoil too much on, on this first episode already. He said it, and I looked at him. I'm just like, for what? What do you, what do you need it for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, yeah. I, I need, yeah, I I mean, need was, that clarification. Was, yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, the name of this podcast is Nickish. Um, it's been so for over a year now, but it was really amazing to sit across from these guys and actually listen from them. I listen to them speak about what um, the word Nickish and what that phrase means to them personally. A lot of them really love that name and, and they had a lot to say about what it means to them personally. And I think um, that just goes to show how much the brand is evolving already. Definitely, definitely. And I'm very thankful that you guys came through. Um, and it was just an awesome opportunity. So this week, the NBA did start and uh, the Knicks did play three games. And that's that's mostly what we're here about. And we're going to try to talk about the Knicks just about once a week, maybe on Sundays we'll try to release an episode. Um, but we are gonna di- dive right into it right after this break. Halloween season is upon us, and what would Halloween be without this week's sponsor, Futterbingers? Futterbingers knows that when the game's on the line, you want to have smooth, buttery chocolate in your hands. That's why they've teamed up with one of our very own Nick stars, Julius Randall, to show you how important <laughs> Futterbingers can be. When the game's in your hands, don't let the fourth quarter get you tense. Get your team to the final whistle with Futterbingers. Everyone's a winner when you've got butter on your fingers. Futterbingers. Nice. Wow. So, uh, I want to buy that shit that? right now. I mean, you know, That's the, an shows, 
the show's big. The show's doing big things. We got John Starks on the show. We got Bernard King on the show. Ooh. So it's only natural that we kick off episode one with a huge sponsor. Thank you to them. Thank you them for always being loyal, understanding their 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 huge you know integration with our star Julius Randall. You know, um, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it was pretty obvious in the first three games um, uh, which companies he's working with. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you guys, yeah, like talking about that though. Do you guys want to talk about these past three games and what we've seen from not only him but the rest of this team? Oof, listen, I mean, man, I, we... honestly, I don't know, man. Let, let's 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 start with the game against the Spurs, the season opener against the Spurs, um, playing away. Sadly, the Knicks have to play the first two games away, but you know, you always love to see them on the home court. But we did get to see a game that ultimately started. Pretty damn poorly, but ended up kind of a close game. But yeah, another fake comeback. What did you guys think about that game? Lots of nerves. Um, at the end, when it, when it started, I was just like, I right, if they lose, that's okay. They're at San Antonio. They can they never beat the Spurs. Uh, and Greg Popovich, you know, definitely would have wanted to take an L against the Knicks in Game One. So I was expecting mm-hmm. I was expecting the Knicks to try to come in hot and heavy first game. Uh, it was confusing because of the point guard position. We're, we're, we're talking about Trier, uh, not Trier, we're talking about Peyton, uh, Nilakina, and Dennis Smith Jr. They're like, all right, one of these guys is going to start it. Who ended up starting it? It was it was R.J. Barrett uh, starting at point guard, which, yeah. is, which is very confusing. And then, um, you know, Marcus Morris started off hot. It was great. The game overall, at the end of it, I wasn't too disappointed, but it was I, I was really hoping to see Frank and Dennis Smith Jr. play a lot more combined. They played only 13 minutes, so... Main takeaway from that, Randall played mm-hmm. fairly great. Uh, only limited turnovers to one. Great stat line, 25 and 11, six assists, which is great. And RJ came out playing, gained 21 points. So second youngest player scored 20 or more points uh, in his debut. So great job to RJ. Oh, that's that's interesting that you mentioned that because that might come up later again <laughs> in this episode. I see. <laughs> I see. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, coming into that game, a lot of the headlines were about you know, Marcus Morris really burning the Spurs in the offseason, which, you know, we don't really need to get it too deep into. Everyone's talked about it, but we knew going into that game, Popovich wasn't going to let, let it easy on us. Um, I really thought it didn't help at all that Fizz decided to go with um, Trier to start in the backcourt against the Spurs, because at the end of the day, they have DeJounte Murray and um, that other three-point shooter kid. I forgot his name, but... Um, those guys are going to let loose on us at any time. So we needed defenders in the backcourt. So I thought it, it, it made the most sense to at least have Frank if you're going to play um, Barrett at the one, which, you know, what? I'm totally fine with. I know you said it was a little bit confusing to you, but I thought in preseason, none of the three-point guards showed that they were capable of leading this team. Nobody really stood out of the three. Um, I personally had a little bit of preference toward Frank. Everybody knows I'm a huge Frank guy, but he did have a great summer at least with FIBA. And so if they weren't going to start any of those three, I was okay with them starting R.J. Barrett as long as you have a defender next to him. So I thought that could have been uh, Frank. But we ended up going with Trier, and in the first, what, seven minutes, we saw they just threw up a stinker. And I think he pulled Trier right on the spot and never brought him back into the game. Which I also didn't like. Yeah, just just to add on to that, like... um, 
I don't I don't understand what Fizz was doing in that first game. Like you guys mentioned, with that sort of lineup tweak. I think RJ at the one was was an okay move and it worked out. But he's just been playing around with Trier and Frank and D- Dennis Smith way too much and Peyton now as well. And I, I think there's just way too much confusion on that lineup. And I, and this lineup hasn't played too too much minutes together either. So it was a real real sad effort to start the game. But I mean, they they did come back into the game, which was you know, which was a good good mm-hmm. positive in the in the yeah. game. But, and we, yeah. we do have to say that. You know, even though before that, none of the three point guards did make a name for themselves in that game, Alfred Payton made a name for himself. Mm-hmm. I think in our, in one of our fantasy leagues, um, Teddy picked him up right on the spot as soon as he started playing five yes. minutes. Yeah, so I'm that a, just yeah, I'm a big Payton <laughs> guy. Um, I've been I've been talking to pretty much all our Nick friends, um, and convincing them that Payton is probably a good candidate for the starting position job over Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank and. I don't know. I I feel like he's still got to prove it, but he's definitely not the trash player that a lot of people were saying in the offseason and questioning why we even signed him. So it was a good performance from him, and I, I really hope that he can keep playing strong because when he was playing well, man, this Knicks team looked really, really good. Now, here's my thing for Peyton. I completely agree with you. Um, I think a lot of fans were a little hesitant on his shot-making ability, but he's proven that he can shoot the three every every game. Uh, since the season started, he's made at least one. He made two against the Nets. He made two against the Celtics, two for three. Uh, and his form is fairly nice. Like, there, I don't think it does, it's not a broken shot like Dennis Smith Jr. shot. Um, and he's a willing passer, and he's a willing shot maker. So I think overall, like, Peyton's been solid. I, I can't say anything against him right now. Right now, he's one of the few players on the Knicks that I'm content with. Yeah, he's been a good defender as well, which is surprising. I think um, he's been, you know, orchestrating a lot of steals on defense, and I feel like he's going to be something different for us. Um, In the past, we've had a lot of point guards that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, great on defense, with the exception of maybe Frank, who has trouble on offense. So, you know, it's it's nice to see Payton playing well in that that first game. Yeah, that first game for me was um, a little bit troubling to see Frank play those three minutes on the court where... Those were huge, a huge three minutes. They weren't just any regular three minutes. It's, he came in, two straight turnovers. They were lethal turnovers, pretty much swung the game in the other direction. While I think that, you know, Frank didn't do well for himself in that situation and he could have done better, a lot of those passes were pretty lazy. I do also think that he wasn't put in a great position to succeed in that game. And so I, I personally didn't want to put a lot of stock into it. But moving on to game two and game three against the Nets and the Celtics, it looks like. David Fisdale just decided those three games, those three minutes were enough for him to see from Frank and decided he's never going to play again for the rest of his career. <laughs> which is which is so sad to see because you look at Dennis Smith Jr., the one basket that he made was against the Spurs, that one layup after a drive, and he hasn't mm-hmm. scored since. Man is averaging one point per game and one assist per game, literally. <laughs> literally, one point per game. I don't... He, and yet he's still keeping him in the game, which well, we're going to get into it. But in the Celtics game, that proved to be really a really bad decision on Fizz. He just doesn't look right, man. Like, he doesn't look healthy. I know last year when we got him after the All-Star break, he was averaging 15 points a game. He looked okay. I wasn't a huge fan of his defense or his playmaking abilities overall. But he actually played solid. I don't know how it's possible after an offseason of him talking about improving his jump shot and, you know, worrying about making R.J. Barrett the rookie of the year. A lot of these great things coming out of him, how he could possibly regress in the season. But it really does feel like 
either he's that back injury is still lingering or he's just entirely lost his confidence which at the end of the day is the exact same position frank is in and that's that's pretty ironic honestly yeah, I want to bring up this point that we're probably going to get into later on. And it's just about Fizz and this point guard competition he's set up. I, I just think it's doing a lot more harm than good at this point. Um, you have two young point guards who, like you, like Osama just mentioned, have confidence issues. And you're setting them up basically to play against each other and prove it that they're worth it. But I don't know. I just, I just don't see this as a healthy competition um, at mm-hmm. this point with both guys. And Dennis Smith Jr. is shooting 9% from the field, guys. 9%. Not not even 10? Not even 10%. <laughs> literally At this, I don't literally 9.1%. He's, this, he's averaging percent. one more point per game than all of us, each of us. <laughs> I I mean, I'm all for like giving everybody enough time to work through their struggles, to be honest. Like that's how I felt all of last year with Frank going through his shoulder and groin injuries. It's how I feel right now with Dennis Smith and Frank and Alfred, even though he's like kind of been on and off for each game. I just don't understand why we have such a logjam where each of these three guys is going to demand minutes and they're not even the only guards that are young and promising. So I just don't understand from a team building perspective in the offseason what their intentions were with bringing Peyton on because what I had thought initially was he's going to, you know, serve backup minutes to whoever starts between DSJ or Frank. And he, he'll serve as, you know, kind of that veteran guard that's able to steady the ship a little bit while anybody's down with injury or if we need to swing the game back around or something like that. But it, right now, it does feel like they just introduced another player into this party who's going to try to vie for minutes. And to me, that's not beneficial when you're starting a team from scratch and you're working with all these young players and trying to get their confidence up. Fizz always struck me as a guy who's, you know, a player's coach. He's going to motivate everybody to play well day in and day out. So why is it that now you're ruining everybody's confidence by pulling them and pushing them in every every which way, depending on the matchup, game-by-game basis, and pretty much not rewarding players for the things you promised you'd reward them for, like defense in the offseason? This is now year two where where Fizz is talking about prioritizing defense, and guys like Frank and Dot not playing at all i mean even just at this point yesterday for the celtics game i thought you know what it's a back-to-back after the next game frank played zero minutes in that one he was a surefire thing if not for the starting lineup to get at least 20 minutes in the game against the celtics and lo and behold my guy got zero minutes on the box score it wasn't a dnp coach's decision it was zero minutes because he was in there for about 15 seconds so i i, I just don't understand what fizz is game plan is because at the end of the day Frank did play in the offseason in FIBA against Team USA which is pretty much comprised of the Celtics and I thought he was going to play against them on Saturday the same way he dogged against them pretty much locked down Kemba Walker and at a time when Kemba was just raining threes on us time and time again Frank was nowhere to be seen I, I don't know what you guys think about that but to me that's just super frustrating and it makes me not excited to watch game after game already this early in the season because I can take it when players are not playing to the best of their ability when the team is losing but I just can't take it when we're shooting ourselves in the foot there's so many levels to this I, I don't even know where to start but I think I think Alfred Payton's move as great as he's been playing is one of the questionable moves that I have for Scott Perry he's he's done so far a fairly good job um, but it's, it's still confusing to me why he 
why they decided to sign Alfred Payne. I don't know if they were trying to go for like Payne at the one and Dennis Smith Jr. at the two to keep the ball flowing, and then they were probably going to trade Frank, but that didn't happen. I don't, I don't really know what the main intention was, but for Dennis Smith Jr., there's there's so many things that you gotta you gotta look out for. So last night, I guess we're gonna move. I guess we're gonna keep jumping back and forth between games from from right now, but. Last night when he got sent to the bench at that final uh, substitution when the crowd was booing him and they were chanting for Frank, if you his demeanor obviously was not good at all. But if you see him walking towards mm-hmm. the bench, Frank gives his hand out for like a high five and Dennis just walks past him, doesn't doesn't give him a high five, doesn't talk to anybody, walks to the end of the bench and just sits down. Now, mm-hmm. we, we have never been in man's shoes. We've never been an NBA player. We don't know what it's like, especially when a crowd of hundreds and thousands of people are booing you in your own city, in your own home court. So I'm sure it's tough, mm-hmm. but what I don't like is you can't preach defense. You can't preach your jumper. You can't talk all this game and then come in and start shooting bricks and not making smart decisions. Not I'm not making smart basketball decisions. There, there are multiple plays I can pull up from last night where he'll drive in and he'll pull up on two guys and it, do, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, there'll be guys wide open and he wouldn't pass it. He'll just try to get the shot i think he's looking for that one shot that goes in and he'll feel like it's gonna it's gonna get better from there but if you're not making the smart shot it's not gonna go in especially if you're already a terrible shooter now yeah you 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 hit the nail on the coffin because to me dennis smith is a confidence guy like you just said he is looking for that one shot the problem is his his basketball iq isn't that great so he's just looking for any shot whether it's a a random iso play one-on-one where he's breaking the, the the whole offense or he's going one-on-two, whatever it is. He's just looking for that confidence shot. And that's why, going back to your earlier point about him walking um, back to his seat, that's kind of why he was walking with his head down, ignoring everybody. I know Frank got up to give him a high five. Um, Dot came over to talk to him afterwards. There was guy, there were guys hugging him during a timeout, making sure that he feels okay. Because at the end of the day, it is a big confidence thing with him. He's a player that's kind of like John Starks, like we mentioned earlier. He's, he's a player that plays up to the crowd. Um, his whole he's, he's kind of like a walking N1 mixtape. And so... When a whole, when your whole home crowd is booing you, and and asking for your replacement to come on the court, pretty much entirely in unison chanting him, that can't be good for his confidence. So I know he was down, and and I know Teddy agrees with me on this one, but I don't really blame him. Like at the end of the day, I blame him for the bad shots, a hundred percent. Those are not for him to take. If he just let the game come to him, he would actually play a lot better. But I don't blame him for getting so upset after listening to his home crowd boo him so much. Um, I know this, hopefully he has thicker skin than that and can handle playing in New York, but I'm curious to hear what Teddy thinks because I know, you know, he's someone who doesn't really think that this is DSJ's fault and might be, might be more on somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of what you, what you both are saying, um, but I just don't feel like Dennis Smith is really getting a fair opportunity here. Um, so he's coming back from injury. You all know that he's struggling and I think Fisdale is playing him for more of the optics of, you know, the KP trade rather than, you know, playing the best player, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, in the, in the, in the game. And I think that's, that's really just something that our fans have caught on to. Um, Nick fans are very smart. Um, they know their players. They know what's going on. They know the situation here. And when they see someone like Frank sitting on the bench, not even getting a minute to play in the game. He've got 18 seconds at the end of the quarter just for a defensive <laughs> possession, which is just which is just insulting. It's just insulting. You yeah, because that's when the defense that's mattered. That's when it's it mattered. A, it, it was just beyond insulting. I think, like, Fizz was sending a message just like, hey, you know, I played him. I played him. He was in the game. 
<laughs> and he he didn't sit out of this one. That's I think that really riled up some Nick fans at MSG. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, when you saw Dennis Smith, you know, there was a couple possessions where he had a layup and he just start he would start his drive and then he just stop it and then kind of just go back out and that's not his game and he's taking all these jumpers that are just like breaking and they're not even close and obviously you know Nick fans were very vocal we're booing but I just felt like I felt really bad for Dennis at that moment I just feel like he's not ready to be on the floor he should really take it slow maybe put him in some G League games um, Mm -hmm. before you know he actually gets some real playing time whereas you know Alfred Payton I've got to say I'm very grateful he's here because can you guys imagine if we were rolling out Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank as our full-time starter right now? Like this, well, our, I can't our imagine team... rolling out Frank because he hasn't <laughs> been rolled out. Our, <laughs> That's our, not a thing. I mean, we saw how Frank performed in those minutes that he got, and it's three he, minutes though. I, don't, I, I understand. Just... I understand, but those three minutes were so awful. But you've that... seen like the twenty minutes from Dennis, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not defending Dennis Smith's playtime at all. I'm just saying that yeah, they yeah. both have been so They've bad. They've stuck it right? up, but I'm just, just yeah. give them both a fair shot, you know? if you're, He's giving Dennis a fair shot. Totally yeah. fine. Totally fine no, with me. I, give Frank think, a fair shot, too. I agree with you there. I think, I think Frank could be given some more playing time. I don't think there's a need for Dennis Smith playing more than Frank at now, right now. And that, that's, that's something that Fizz has to really... Um, you know, except he, I understand mm-hmm. that the Knicks front office wants to give off the optics like, hey, we got Dennis Smith Jr. He's a great player in that trade. And look, he's going to get some minutes because we need to show everyone this is why we traded KP. This is the only physical thing that you can see from that KP trade right now. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough because Dennis Smith Jr. is struggling. And now if we start stinking, let's say we don't win any more games for a while. Like, what if we go 0 and 10? What's oh, the God, narrative going to be? What's the... What's the narrative gonna be? It's gonna I'm be not gonna wow. Wood. I'm not gonna wood. The narrative is gonna be we traded KP away for nothing. Look at the Knicks team; they stink. Um, mm-hmm. Dennis Smith stinks. This front office doesn't know what they're doing. So I feel like it's an optic situation. I feel like Dennis really needs to take some time away from the Knicks. Um, you know, lineup. Go go play some games in the G League. Get get yourself together. And Fizz needs to get his head out of the ass. Mm-hmm. Like, cause like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why he's he's being this way with Frank when he messed up one in one game and just to just to give him yeah. this treatment is, is uncalled for in my opinion. Right. So I I have a few thoughts on that. Um last night when Dennis wasn't playing so well, that was up to Fizz to take him out. He definitely should have taken him out before he got the booze, but I think I think one potential solution would be to have Frank out with Dennis Smith Jr. just so the crowd doesn't feel the need to boo. I, I was at the game last night, so majority of the reason why people were booing was because Frank wasn't out, less so than Dennis Smith Jr.'s awful play. It wasn't more so booing Dennis, but I know that's the way it was perceived on you know on TV and from majority of people. But in reality, it was more so like, why isn't Frank out if Dennis isn't playing so well? So Fizz took too long to take him out, and, bef- and it was too late at that mm-hmm. point. So hopefully uh, Dennis won't be too far gone. Um, I feel like if putting him in the G League could be a good idea but i feel it could also be a bad idea that might hurt his confidence even more we saw what happened at dallas um when lucas started playing well and dennis couldn't keep up and his composure was down his attitude was bad and Mm -hmm. i feel like we're we're approaching that kind of situation right now and fizz obviously is probably getting pressure from the front office to feature dennis more um but i feel like if if he can play both of them at the same time and have a couple of shooters at the three and the four then that's promising, and Trier could be our starting, you know, he doesn't have to be starting, he could be, like, a third string, or he could start at the two, and RJ could be at the three, if anything. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah it's it's just exhausting at this point because we don't none of us know like what the ceiling is for any of these guys but honestly i think we've talked enough about these three um mo you just mentioned that you went to you went to the game last night um, i'm curious to hear you know from a person's perspective who was in the stadium in the arena how did it feel to hear everyone chanting for frank how did, most importantly how did it feel to hear everyone chanting for taco fall oh and then, uh, I, I just want to know like what was the experience like i know you were yeah. you had uh you had um elite seats in in the garden <laughs> uh well before i do that i do want to give a quick shout out to to dr ivan khan he's nick spurt on twitter he invited me to the game and we were at the suite mm-hmm. uh there are two suites next to each other one was hosted by Nick's Fan TV. Shout out to CP and Jay Ellis from the, CP. To Nick, from the Nick of Time show. And uh, Nick's OmniFan had the other suite. So they collectively had a group of maybe like 50, 50 people all watching the game. And, you know, the first quarter was amazing. It was lit. It, every All the buckets were going in. Uh, everybody was just playing well. And then towards the second half of the first quarter, you know, it, we went back to reality and, and Boston was, was playing well. Uh, so you know the the crowd was into it. We were really into it. Um, while you know during the game we were having some trivia and some some other like little games that Knicks fan TV and Knicks Omni fan were were doing. Um, and then towards the second half was when it started to get really bad, and that's mm-hmm. when that's when the whole Dennis thing happened. I I believe that was the third quarter uh, when that happened, and everybody was just like, "Yo, get this kid out of here. This is like a fault situation. Like he's <laughs> he's he's gone. Like he just doesn't look right." Someone was just like, "Yo, it's the dreads. <laughs> cut, cut the dreads. He, he's going to be back to normal." Um uh, and you know, that's when the Frank the Frank we want Frank chant actually started in our suite. Nobody was chanting hey. it until our suite started chanting it. CP started it uh and then a lot of the guys just started getting on it, and then the suites next to us started getting on it, and then so basically these these chants started from the top, and then they made their way down, and it was it was it was brutal. I I mm-hmm. but again like we started chanting it because we wanted Frank at, Frank in the game versus taking Dennis Smith Jr. out of the game. If they kept Dennis in the game and then substituted Frank in and they played together, it would not have been as bad as it ended up. Uh, looking yeah, when that's he, the huge caveat, right? Yeah, I really, I really hope they that that Dennis doesn't take it so personal that it was about wanting him off the court as much as it was wanting Frank on the court. I think personally, he was taking insult to the booze. I know there were a lot of booze, but that comes with just bad shot chucking. You know, yep. like if you're gonna chuck a lot of shots, expect to be booed if you're gonna miss all of them. You know, that's just kind of that happened to that happened to even Mellow sometimes. So you're not gonna be immune to that. You just. Yeah, it's not as simple as it is pretty much as simple as stop taking bad shots. You're a professional basketball player. You're getting paid to play smarter. So at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. you can't take it too much into heart. But then again, we're not in their shoes. We don't really know what it's like. But at yeah. this point, y'all are getting paid to, to ball. So you got a ball right or else we're going to yeah. let and enough let of these guys. Enough of these guys. Yeah. Teddy, jump in with some of your thoughts about RJ, man, because this dude's been killing yeah. it already this season. Three we games. Gotta give in. Some love. Is he a superstar? Is he a superstar? I think so. I mean, the Nick, the Nick fandom in me wants to say he's a superstar because we just we just overblow everything. But honestly, <laughs> RJ is like really an MVP. RJ, RJ, <laughs> he's really a Hall of Famer if you think about it. Um, but really, seriously, on a serious note, I think RJ is special. I think this kid is just—you could just see—he's just so ready 
for the game. And there's no, there's no, the, the poise, the, the way he carries himself. It's just something so different from even, I, I know a lot of us were impressed when Porzingis started, um, you know, his rookie season. And he seemed like he was a good player and he, he wasn't the project that he was made out to be. But sorry, Arch who? is just... Who's I'm that? sorry, I'm, Who's that? I can't. I'm not. I'm not gonna repeat his name because you know you only get to name drop him once in these. In these, in these <laughs> we have uh, a quote on this calls. podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. Right? We don't. We only name drop him once, um, <laughs> out of context as well. So, I just want to say that RJ looks so poised as a rookie. You, I don't believe he's a rookie. Like it. It just seems like he's been playing this in the league for like five years. Yeah, he looks and like a vet out there. He really does. And he's so strong, and he's getting his shots. He's just doing all the right things, in my opinion. And the defense has just been um, far better than it was ever advertised. And I remember a lot of people were knocking his defense when he was playing in college. And I, I just don't see it here. He's giving a lot of effort. And we saw him guarding up on Kyrie. And even though he got burned um, you know, on that last shot, and that's the highlight play that everyone's showing off, you just got to respect RJ for actually taking that tough assignment on, head on. I don't know a lot of rookies that mm-hmm. would be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, when, we, I mean, as Knicks fans, we're all scouts, year in and year out. We're talent scouts for college because <laughs> that's all we have in the off season during playoff season and everything, but... When I was looking at RJ, I, re- I wanted him I wanted him really bad, but I didn't expect his defense to be good at all. I thought he would at most be average on defense, but what surprised me the most isn't even his veteran presence on the court. It's the fact that he's been an actual lockdown defender. I mean, I think last game alone, he had what... Uh, I mean, this last game, he only had... He didn't have any steals, but the game right before that, he had six steals against the Nets. Like, that's insane as it is. I don't... I think there's been a bunch of games last year where our whole entire team didn't have six steals so to have a rookie like that who has you know just been locked down defending from the two spot which we haven't seen in god knows how long not in my entire fandom but a a kid who comes in at 19 able to lock down players and still get his points eat whenever he wants and still be efficient the huge knock on him coming out of college was he can't shoot he can barely defend and he can't finish at the rim well guess what He's finishing at the rim like a monster this season. He's shooting pretty efficiently at league average pretty much this season. And then he's defending like our best defender out there right now. I know Frank's not playing. Everybody knows I'm a huge uh, you know leader of that fan club. But he's pretty much locking it up for us in defense, one of our only few bright spots on the court. And I think it's safe to say at this point this year he's our, our best player, right? I mean, I know we have a few vets here, but he's already at 19 years old our best player, our best playmaker. That's why I don't mind Fizz starting him at point or because I honestly think at the end of the day, he's going to play our point point guard or point forward role, whatever you guys want to call it. I don't think there are positions anymore in basketball, but that's a whole discussion for a different top for a different podcast. I think he's going to be the one handling the ball for us in the future. So I don't mind him getting those reps right now because he's looking good when he's doing it. He's a great playmaker and he has these secondary playmakers outside of him, like Randall, like Peyton, guys who can pass out of the post and pass from the wing. So I think it's, it's great that he, what he's showing on the court. I really hope it doesn't regress because right now he's looking like a rookie of the year candidate. But I'm, I don't want to jinx it. Honestly, at this point, I couldn't be more happy. And he's kind of the reason why I, I'm ex- excited to tune in every game. I feel like we've seen deve- a development already in three games. So like you mentioned, he he is much better than advertised. 
his shot is great. There are some threes that he'll pick up on the fly and he'll shoot it right up. No dribbles. He'll catch it. He'll be a catch and shooter. So his shot mm-hmm. and it, it looks good. Like he's not he's not like forcing it. It just looks pure. And the other thing that I noticed is that he he's transitioned to leading the team in shots attempted. So um last game he he attempted 20 shots the second most after that was 11 and that's by Julius mm-hmm. Randle who we need to get to in, in a moment so and that that's one thing the other thing is that he's leading the team in minutes uh 37 36 and 37 that's my one concern i hope that similar to to what happened to Knox last season where Fizz just kept playing him for every minute and just exp- and putting the whole load on him i'm i'm kind of worried that that might happen to RJ hopefully not but Definitely, the poise is very good. He, he's not he's not afraid of the bright lights. He wasn't scared of Brooklyn. He wasn't scared of MSG. He went to San Antonio, did what he had to do, and he started. He he was a starting point guard as a rookie, and that's not even his natural position. And he <laughs> he was going in, and the guy guarding him was an all defensive team. Dejounte Murray is a great defender, and he was he was guarding up on RJ, and RJ did what he had to. And yeah, I mean Dejounte was killing us in that game, and. RJ just came back right at him and, and got whatever he wanted in the paint. That's what's been surprising. He's so strong in the paint that nobody's able to stop him, whether it's with the left, whether it's with the right. I mean, first game, he had 26 points, um, seven rebounds, three assists. Second game, um, he had tw- 16 points, three rebounds, three assists, six steals. And the third game, he had 21 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. And all of that with... I mean, he's had a few turnovers, but that's expected when you're ball handling uh, all game long on a team that's very turnover prone. But to me, those are numbers that I'm expecting out of a top 30 player in the NBA, not somebody who's coming in at 19 who was really clowned on for not being a, a, a physical presence like a guy like Zion is. Right. What do you guys think about Julius Randle? You know, I was... I, I was happy to see us sign him for me i i said this every single day in the off season that to me i i didn't care if we got kd and Kyrie, because to me i'm not excited about a guy who's 32 coming off an achilles injury before the injury i was totally down to invest all our money all our assets in getting those guys and con- contending for a chip but once he went down with that injury to me my whole offseason plans changed so to me what i said before that was the best possible offseason scenario was Julius Randle and um, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. Mm. We were not able to get Russell. He ended up going to the Warriors. But we got Randle, and I was super excited about that. On three years, I think the third year is a, a, a team option for that. Amazing contract. I know we're paying him like 21 mil a year, but to me that's worth it for your best player on the court, which I think, honestly, he's shown that ability. I think what a lot of us are discrediting the fact that he's been a consistent scorer for the past three games, despite his percentages dropping off in this last game. He's also been amazing on the assists. I think he's, um, you know, he's, he's right up there with the team in assists per game. I think he's averaging around, what, 4.3 or something. Um, that's huge coming from your power forward. Um, oftentimes, he's even playing center. Um, what's left to be desired and what we already knew that was that his defense was going to be atrocious and it, it's showing on the court but the thing I'm loving the most is that I expected with all of this money for us not to invest in a player who already averaged what like 20 21 10 and like 3 last year 
but to get somebody who's a leader for these young guys and he is young himself he's 24 um what i'm seeing on the court every single game is him grabbing every player on the court for a huddle after every single um, break and play he's coaching everybody on the team alongside him he's making sure that you know nobody feels down and, and and giving everybody confidence you see it when the camera cuts to him every every play i i think he's gonna be huge for the knicks because he's somebody who we've really wanted for a long time i think the team captain last year was lance thomas and, and not to clown on lance thomas but he's a great leader but not somebody who's commanding on the court you kind of need somebody who's commanding on the court and a great leader before him it was mellow but mellow He's not he's not a, a vocal leader. He's not the guy that you want rallying the troops. But Randall looks like that. Randall looks like an army general to start with. So he's going to definitely be on the court commanding guys, making sure that he's instilling that uh, the principle of like grit and toughness, but at the same time getting his points, facilitating the ball. Um, when he when he doesn't have it, he's passing it out. And you know, there there were times where he's kind of been a black hole on offense, but I'll allow that because I think part of Fizz's offense is to fully flow through him and so I think a lot of it is forced from the play style as opposed to his personal decisions but you know I, I know that you guys are going to harp on some of his downsides but um, uh, I'll, I'll leave you guys to do that so to me it's, it's all about his his leadership so far right now in the first three games I like what I'm seeing from his leadership his play style is okay there's a little bit to be desired but I think it'll get better throughout the season yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, he's gotten better every single year, and I think um, Randall's probably one of the, the free agents that I was really excited about. Um, we didn't get the big ones, obviously. I feel like everyone kind of knew that once KD got hurt, that it was kind of really up in the air. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we have Julius Randall. He's a young player. He's still growing, and I feel like he fits with what we're trying to do. Uh, here so hopefully he can get the turnovers uh, a little bit under control I know he's been suffering from the Futterbingers um, but <laughs> but he's 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 really just got to you know get comfortable in with what he's got to do here in his role here I think he's gonna have a good year though mm-hmm. I agree with you guys uh, I, I'll talk about a few things I do have a problem with do it Mo do it his, say you know, his defense say what you want to say his defense is ass that's one <laughs> but defense is very ass apart from that like <laughs> He turns the ball over way too many times. Like I, yeah, I, I, I mean, think last yeah, night or the night before, five turnovers. Yeah, five turnovers last night. Six turnovers the night before. Eleven turnovers in two nights. That's that's horrendous. That's mm-hmm. that's my thing. Like, is he, does he think he's a point guard now? I don't know, but like he's balling on the court. But he he catches the ball at the three point line. He'll try to get on the low block from there, and he has to turn the ball over yeah. or try to pass it out of the post. And that's just it's just not working right now. So I think that's something that he can definitely adjust. But you guys caught all the points for like his pluses, which which are definitely very important for this young team. The other thing that you know I want to mention for for the bigs on this team, as many power fours as we got, they're all complete ass on on defense. <laughs> complete the ass platoon. <laughs> Yo, Mitch got Mitch has more blocks than all of them combined. That's disgusting. Yeah, and he's and he's played like what thirty seconds. He didn't. I don't even think he played the first game. He didn't even play the first game. He didn't play the first game at all. Yeah, and he played seventeen <laughs> minutes a second, and then last night he played twenty minutes, and he has mm. more blocks, and it's, and it's not even that much. It's like four blocks in total. That's more than yeah. all of the rest. Like, I'm talking about Taj. I'm talking about Bobby, Bobby Porras. I'm talking about Julius Randle. Oh God. And Marcus Morris, all of oh them combined have, <laughs> did, did, have less did you blocks. Feel, did you feel, I, I know none of us are in the same room right now, but did you guys feel that that commutative, like, just 
pressure on your chest when Mo just mentioned Bobby Portis. <laughs> Fucking Bobby Portis. It's like every year we sign one guy that's just complete ass. <laughs> And we just invest in him way too quickly. Like, this year, it's Bobby fucking Portis. The guy who literally is out there just to catch the ball and just stumble around. Like, I don't I don't need to see Bobby Portis With crazy anymore. eyes. With crazy eyes. Yeah, I don't need to see Bobby Portis anymore. Like, I've seen enough. Just just get him out of here. It's my opinion. You know what? I'm, I'm going to hold you on that one. Because there might be a little bit more about Bobby later, <laughs> later in the episode uh, that we might talk about. But... Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Like, there's no, there was no reason for us to sign him in the first place. In my opinion, I thought he was going to be getting maybe at most 10 minutes a game. But it looks like he's the full-out backup center for Mitch. If anything, getting more minutes than Mitch in a lot of games. Um, I know this this past game, he only got 10 minutes, which I was totally fine with. And he was actually a net positive in the game. But overall from preseason to the, the first two games even before this past Celtics game he's just looked god awful he can't make threes which was the huge um, selling point when we got him in the offseason I know obviously we understand like for anybody listening out there we understand that this is a very small sample size it's only been three games but I mean what else are we going to talk about right but for him <laughs> it's been it's been it's been five games or, or sorry it's been how many preseason games do we play four it's been it's been seven games and he's shown nothing that I think is very valuable on the court. I thought Taj does better with his minutes than he does, and Taj isn't even all that great. But, you know, he's a Brooklyn product. He's, he's playing defense out there, at least for trying. He's not great on offense, but he's pretty much a wash, just like Bobby Portis is. So the only reason for me that I would want Bobby on the court is if he's going to break somebody's face, which we almost got in, 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 in uh, two games ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> against the Nets. Um, I forgot who tried to tie him up on the uh, on the floor and uh once once his eyes started widening and once he got that look <laughs> i had to i had to just look away from my screen because i thought we were gonna get that uh that purge screen on our screen <laughs> where pretty much people are yeah uh, i just i don't know he's no taco fall he's no taco fall <laughs> taco fall <laughs> actually... has had more chance in this arena than anybody not named <laughs> Frank god. on our team. Oh my god. Yo, he guys he's huge though. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was yeah. very impressed. I low key, I was pretty excited when he when he got the ball and dunked it and it was it was it was pretty nice. <laughs> not I, I don't know who chan there were there were a lot of Boston fans, but it was very embarrassing when the chance started going everywhere and there are Knicks fans chanting for Taco. I'm just like, you guys can't do this. This is our home court. You can't tan- <laughs> you can't chant for the big guy to come in. And he came in and he just and yeah, that was who was guarding him? You guys remember who was guarding him? No one. That's why. No, no. one remembers because nobody was guarding him. Was, I think was, RJ no, was man, on was, him a few it was plays. Bobby Portis. <laughs> Bobby oh my god. Yeah. RJ yeah, tried no. to dunk on him though, which which I respect. <laughs> yeah, RJ had a few plays that kind of got denied but i don't mind it he's just he keeps going back mm-hmm. at the players which is totally it. fine by me also bobby portis has not made a single three yet he's attempting them though oh really i actually <laughs> did i actually didn't know he's, that he's he's at zero and he attempts about 2.3 a game yep sick so he's completely a dud to start off his nick career uh so before we move on to the next break i do want to mention kevin knox has been great i got no issues with him Cheer. Yes, thank you for bringing him up. Cheer yes. one game uh, against the Nets uh, was was dope. Good shit, Cheer. Last night he wasn't so good in 21 minutes. Um, and besides those two, everyone else has been fairly mediocre. Marcus Morris was great first game. 
and that was about it. And he got and if he's it, been good. He's been good. Yeah. Can we stop running the offense through him though? Can we stop this? He thinks he's mellow. I mean, he's fine. He's mellow light. I, I don't mind it. I don't yeah, mind but it. I I think I think it's time Fizz actually stops running the whole offense through him. I I like Marcus Morris. He's I on mean, my fantasy more, team. Yeah, who's he's more, on my fantasy who's, team. <laughs> but I think who's more stable than him though on 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 the actual court? Who's more stable than him? Honestly, RJ? honestly, no one. Which is sad to say. Yeah. But but that's that's just what we got. The cards we're dealt with. But I just need to see more variation from Fizz because it's getting a little bit obvious that Marcus Morris is gonna shoot a fucking. Fade away too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mid ranges is the ones I don't like because he's a good three point shooter. He's a good guy yes. down low in the post, which is very efficient for his whole offense. But Mo mentioned it earlier. Knox is shooting lights out right now. So what my hope is is with all this progression from Knox, like you know him coming and looking brolic, um, contending for bodybuilder against uh, Julius Randle. Hit between him <laughs> and 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 Marcus Morris. I'm hoping that the minutes start to shift back a little bit toward Knox, and maybe we can get something out of Morris at the deadline where maybe a, a playoff team is looking for a go-to yeah. scorer yes, or somebody who's a great defender can trade him away. The, and this is nothing against Morris, by the way. I think he's he's been playing great for us. His defense has been you know, um, uh, really energetic for the team. He gets everybody going. He's, he's instilling that grit, which I think we really need on this team. And I know he wants to stay in the area by his family that lives in Philly which, of course, I would love for him to keep doing. Maybe Philly wants him at the deadline. Um, but I, 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 like at the end of the day, I do think he could be very valuable at the deadline if anybody wants to invest in an asset like him, and that will give up more minutes for Knox to play. Because right now he's showing like he's fully earned it after a year where a lot of people were down on him for his defense and his um, uh, just playmaking and scoring overall. He's just become a lot more of an efficient player right now. He's still... Not great at all on defense, but at least it's covered up by some by some of RJ's play and Mitch's play when he's playing with them. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, but um, the players. on that note, let's move on to our our second break, and then afterwards, uh, what we got? We got a few a few things that we're gonna talk about. Um, very exciting. We got we got rapid fire questions, and we're gonna highlight two particular players. Uh, are we gonna announce? What kind of players <laughs> yet or, or not? Yeah, well, 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 let's chat about it after the break. All right. Check it out. Welcome back, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us again. We want to introduce a new segment on this podcast called uh, the Nick and Dick of the Week. So what this segment is, is every week we're going to look at all the players that played and however many games we played throughout that week and decide who to us was the Nick of the Week. Somebody who really embodies what being a Nick is, you know, a great player on the court, um, just somebody who we've all fell in love with that week. And then after that, we'll nominate somebody who we think was the Dick of the Week and who's somebody that had just played god-awful. Um, over the years, um, there are many notable mentions like Andrea Bargnani, Derek Rose, mm-hmm. Joakim Noah. Uh, but this, this, this year, we're going to have um, a different person every week that we're going to nominate as Dick of the Week. And maybe at the end of the year, we'll have somebody who's potentially the Dick of the Year. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 let, let's start off with uh, episode one. Who did you guys think was this week's Nick of the Week? Oh, that one's, that one's pretty straightforward. I think we could all say it in unison, right? Uh, one, two, three... Bobby Portis. Portis. 
<laughs> oh man, mind right, you, right, to, right, to the people real, who are listening, real. we're in three separate areas. We're not even together right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. In all honesty, though, I think it's safe to say we all think R.J. Barrett is this week's Nick of the Week. Hopefully, Nick of the Year by the end of the season. But he's just played lights out. We talked about him a lot over this um, this whole podcast. But I think it just it's safe to say that he he's taking the throne this week. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's very safe to say. All right, cool, cool, cool. So I want to hear both of you guys, if I haven't already, both of you guys' nomination for this week's Dick of the Week. Ooh, I might have a different one than Mo, though. Yeah? All right. Uh, All right. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. My pick give is... Me, give, me, give me the name and then give me a couple lines about why you want to nominate him. Sure. My pick is not actually an official Knicks player. It's the head coach, David Fisdale. Oh is the dick of the week. Now, I, I got to say, because I, I, I feel like Teddy, if, if, if he's not going to pick Fizzle, he'll probably pick Dennis Smith Jr., maybe, I don't know, or maybe Bobby Porras, but Dennis Smith Jr. had a really rough night last night, and I, I blame that on Fizzle for the most part. It, it was mm-hmm. it, it was Smith Jr.'s fault that he couldn't make you know better plays, but it, the, the most notable thing that happened last night was that the crowd was apparently booing him out, and um, they are trying for Frank, so... That's something that Fizzle could have corrected. He could have substituted Frank in and let them play All together. Right, sir, I'm going to have to cut you short there. Sure. Um, that you've made your case for <laughs> David Fizzle. <laughs> now I will move this on to Teddy. Please nominate your uh, Dick of the Week. I think we've got a second Dick of the Week nomination for Def Head oh, Coach Fizzle. Wow. Yes. And apologies for one. cutting you short, Mo. Please carry on. <laughs> 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 I'll be very uh, quick about this. I will just say that this whole point guard competition is just a bunch of bullshit at this point. I think it's embarrassing to be pitting our guys against each other for a position that they both have to play for. Like it's it's just setting all these unnecessary pressures, and they're both Mm -hmm. failing. So like it would be one thing if one guy was really excelling and the other wasn't, right? When you have a case of both guys just struggling and failing, you just need to stop this, you know, tomfoolery that you're doing with the media. And mm-hmm. just pick a guy that you're going with. This is our starter. This is our backup. That's it. We're rolling out like that. Stop this fluid nonsense of trying to you know pit pit guys against each other. Because now the fan base is torn between oh Dennis Smith is playing. That's because that's why Frank isn't playing. Like that's yeah. that's why right. that's why that that's happening. Okay, I think it's it's uh, it's fair to say that uh, Fizz wins this week's uh, Dick of the Week, and hopefully we can actually have a chart up on uh, uh here's a spoiler we're hoping to have our website nickish.com uh, launch live very soon so um, one of the modules you might be able to see there is a, a chart of every week's nick and a dick of the week and maybe we're going to see who wins by the end of the year and they'll, they'll win a special surprise but um, <laughs> i think that's that for that segment it's safe to say rj and fizz take the thrones this week but let's move on to a, another special segment one that i like to call rapid fire are you guys ready to play how does it work? First, are you guys ready to play? Oh, absolutely. Let's do you it. Just want me to then I'll to tell something? you the rules. Yes, you then I'll tell you something the rules. Like, this, 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 right. sounds like the Knicks, uh, this sounds like <laughs> the Knicks season, season package. <laughs> the season alt. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, so what Rapid Fire is is five quick questions that I'll ask um, to each of you one at a time. Um once when I ask one person the question, they have the opportunity to choose one of the multiple choice answers that I give them, and they have uh, about thirty seconds to choose their answer for that question. If they are wrong, the other person is allowed to steal. 
Um, the person with the most points at the end of this, after we interchange one by one, wins the segment. Fair? You got it. Hey, let's I guess do so. it. Alrighty then. So, starting with question number one. This one goes to Mo. As you guys know, uh, the Knicks were among the bottom teams last year in making and defending the three. What percentage, though, do you think the Knicks are shooting threes this year? Is it A, 38.5%? Is it B, 41.5%? Is it C, 34.5%? Or is it D, 51.5%? Can I ask you to repeat these numbers? They all sounded... A, 38.5%. Uh-huh. B, 41.5%. C, 34.5%. Or D, 515 Okay. Does the timer start now? Yes, it has already started. C, 34.5%. <laughs> that is, in fact, incorrect. Ah, Teddy, sure. you have the chance okay. to steal. Damn. Yes, uh, The remaining give me those, choices give me are A, 38.5%, B, 41.5%, or D, 51.5%. I'm going to go with B. 41.5%? Yes. That is correct. Did you guys know that the Knicks are actually shooting 41.5% from three in what is a pretty small sample size this year, but in three games? This is actually currently fifth in the league, and last year the Knicks shot 34%. That's very surprising, well, actually. Yeah, yeah, Good I shit. mean, it, yeah, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's great so far. I didn't really expect it, but did you guys know what year their highest all-time three-point percentage was? It might actually surprise you. This is this isn't part of the questions, by the way, but this is an off off question. Well, I was going to guess 2013, but you said it will surprise us. So uh, I'm going to guess tw- their their uh, 17 win season, the first one. Um, what was that, 2015? 2014 or 15 season. Okay, that's your guess, Teddy. 2009. All right, both of you are incorrect. It was actually Damn. 38% in the 2002-03 season. Okay, wow. Crazy, all I the way back then. I wasn't even watching. Yeah, I mean, none of us were, but you, you really think that threes came along like later down the line. But yeah. Anyway, moving on to question number two. This one goes to Teddy first. So, R.J. Barrett has really come alive on the court this year. In fact, on Wednesday, he became the second youngest rookie to ever score over 20 points in his NBA debut. Oh, gosh. At 19 (laughs) years and 131 days old. Mm -hmm. Which player was the youngest? (laughs) Is it A, Luka Doncic? (laughs) Is it B, LeBron James? Is Is it C, Anthony Davis? Or is it D, Trey Young? You better get this one, Uh, man. (laughs) I'm going to go with LeBron. You sure? Are you yeah, sure about that? I'm one? sure. I'm sure. It is in fact B. LeBron James. In <laughs> fact, easy LeBron one. did it when he was 18 years old and 303 days. So, I mean, I know this is kind of an unfair one because uh, Mo kind of alluded to it earlier on in the podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's insane to know that R. J. is already the sun- the second youngest ever um, to score 21 points in his debut. But that's our superstar. It's a technicality, too, because LeBron just went straight to the NBA from mm. high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't count. That man he doesn't count, so degree. RJ RJ really wins that one. <laughs> Neither does RJ, to be fair, but at least he got that one year, I think. He, yeah, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> All right. So Teddy steals. Uh, Teddy takes that one. Um, f- question number three. This one goes to Mo. This year's Knicks are currently ranked 27th in assists per game led by Alfred Payton, who's averaging five. Who is second on the Knicks in assists per game? I'll give you, because the last question was a little bit easy for Teddy, I'll give you two points if you can tell me the name of the person and how many assists per game they're scoring. Oh, so, 
Okay. The multiple choice options are A, R.J. Barrett, B, Julius Randle, C, Marcus Morris, or D, Alonzo Trier. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you who it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, s- say the say the options again. A. R.J. Barrett. B. Julius Randle. C. Marcus Morris. Or D. Alonzo Trier. Uh, I would have to guess Julius Randle. That is correct. Now, can you tell me how many assists per game he is averaging? And I need this one to the nearest half assist. Alright, that's crazy hard. This is to get two points on the board. Currently, Teddy's up 2-0. I would say about four and a half. That's also correct. He's averaging Uh, 4.3 assists per game. Fun fact, he's also averaging four turnovers per game, but that's also (laughs) irrelevant. So, that is... that. Those points go to Mo. Currently, it's tied up 2-2. Moving on to question number four. This one goes to Teddy. Kyrie Irving said on Friday before the game that the Nets would take over New York City as the favorite basketball team. The Nets went on to edge the Knicks 113-109 to on a fadeaway Kyrie 3. In comparison to the Nets' TV ratings on Yes Network, <laughs> how did the Knicks' ratings fare on MSG? Was it A, about the same, B, half the Nets' ratings, C, 1.5 times the Nets' ratings, or D, double the Nets' ratings? D, doubled the Nets' ratings. That is 100% correct. It was D, double the Nets ratings. In fact, fun fact, the Nets will never be New York's team. I don't even know what channel Yes Network is on. Is that is that is that like a streaming only? That's Yes Network. Is that a, that is, is the channel. streaming only or something? It's not on the real. No, it's not I, a real cable I think channel. the Yankees the Yankees are on that channel. Yank, Yanks play on oh, that. Oh, sorry Yanks. Yanks. Sorry Yankee fans. Fan. You deserve better than the Nets. All right. Teddy's currently up 3-2. So Mo, you have the chance to tie it with this one, and then we might have to go to a tiebreaker. Unless you guys want to tie, finish on a tie. I need to know the answer right now. Uh, sure. Okay. Number five. On Saturday. N- that's all right. On Saturday, Knicks coach David Fisdale opted to play Frank Nilikina only a few seconds, registering a zero-minute time on the box score. This is in spite of the entire garden chanting for him to come in. How many minutes did Frank play on average per game last year? Ooh. Is it A, 21, B, 24, C, 18, or D, 28? Would I... you like me to repeat the answers? No, I go with 18. That is incorrect. Damn. 24. Maybe you win by default. 24. But that is also All incorrect. All right, but I still won by default. <laughs> Yes, but it was 21 minutes per game. Oof. Frank averaged 21 minutes per game last year. In fact, he only played in 43 games due to a combination of shoulder and groin injuries. All of these stats, of course, are um, coming from Basketball Reference and NBA.com, so all props to both of those websites. But thank you guys for playing. This week's winner is Teddy, and we'll also have a chart of uh, the, the, the results from every week up on the website as well. So if anybody wants to tune in, if you guys followed along with your answers, um, let us know um, how you guys fared too. But um, I think that was that, that was a good one. That was a good quiz. That was great. Good you job. should be a game host too on the side. You should think about. Oh that. yeah, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I think that's that's it. That's it for this week's episode. It was a great one. Um, the the all the games that we watched were okay. So hopefully we don't burn out by the end of the season. But 
um, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah. And to all the listeners, please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at NickishShow. Uh, subscribe mm-hmm. on YouTube, at NickishShow. And, you know, just look out for an upcoming website. And, you know, we appreciate all of you guys listening, liking our stuff, sharing it. And, you know, we're, we're hoping for some really big things this season. Uh, if it's not from the Knicks, at least from us, you know. Um, but hopefully both, it, it comes out both. It, it works out <laughs> both ways. Yep, you can follow us on, like Mo mentioned, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And hopefully we will have our website up and running in the next two weeks at nickish.com. That's nick-ish.com. So make sure to check that out for any important information or how to stay connected with us. Yeah, and Teddy, you have a sign off. Yeah, I definitely do. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Futterbingers, uh, for really, for really (laughs) keeping, for really keeping the lights on during this show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you, everybody. It's a pleasure. Peace.